0: Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an authority. I'm someone who has been a murderer for almost 20 years. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. People
1: say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. There must be something in that. I showed emotion. You know what people said? See, you really can't get violent and angry.
0: Welcome to the Squonk and the Hag, a podcast about murder, mystery, the supernatural, and even a conspiracy or two. My name is Mo.
1: And I'm Kraken.
0: Welcome on in, guys, to another episode of the Squonk and the Hag. And this is another special episode because we have a guest, but... Oh, uh, words. Um, so we one time had Allie, one of our researchers on the show, and we talked about Bell Gunness. And now we have the other half of our amazing research department. Ranger is joining us to tell us all about something a little magical.
2: Yeah. Hey, everyone. <laughs> and,
1: and now we have a voice. <laughs> to put with the name that makes me say the difficult
2: names i mean i can't help it
0: you know what we need to do what (laughs) we we need rick cracko and i need to make a story and it'll probably be completely fictional but just make you have to pronounce really really crazy stuff Just just to make Crackle feel a little bit better about himself.
1: Are we I mean, if you want, we can just, you know, have a segment where I'll read like five or pronounce five words from the dictionary, starting with the letter A. And then we'll just see what happens. And when we get to the end of the dictionary, that's a long time. Exactly. Exactly. That would be a very long episode. Plenty of content. No, 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 no. I'm
0: actually surprised Krakow can say dictionary.
1: Right? <laughs> no, You're not surprised that I'm saying five when I can only count to four?
0: You know what the word five is. You just don't know what it means.
1: Okay, you're right.
0: You've heard people say things like 50, but what is that? Yeah. It's probably more than four.
1: I mean, you're not wrong. How would you know? That's why I'm not allowed to participate in the guess the number of objects in this jar challenges anymore, because I'm just like at least four. And then technically I'm not wrong, but they still don't let me win and they make me leave.
0: I mean, that's Price's right rules anyway. (laughs) All right. So, Ranger, Um. We did this to Allie as well, Uh-oh. but before we hop into the story, did you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, how you got involved with the podcast, why you're friends with Krakow Because I'm pretty sure everyone's wondering that one.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, how I got involved in the podcast is um, I was one of Cracko's, um, how should I put it, uh, people that would scare the pants off of him with different stories I would find in um, and pictures and stuff. And when we started kind of talking about doing the podcast after that first initial uh, live stream, I was like, yeah, I'll help out. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Why I'm friends with Krakow, I'm still not quite sure. He's a a good little squid, so I guess that's probably the reason. (laughs) But yeah, no, I met him through a... Minecraft, actually, a Minecraft community that he and I were both a part of and started watching his streams and then just kind of went from there.
0: That's how he gets you, because that's how he roped me into Minecraft. And now I can't get rid of him. I've tried.
2: I know. (sighs) Oh, <sighs> whatever will we do?
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, Crack is just like,
1: They're slowly discovering my secrets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, slowly. guys, you heard it here. Don't play Minecraft with Krako, or you will never get rid of him.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean.
0: <laughs> all So now that we got that all out of the way, if you would please... Regale us with a tale, our dearest ranger.
2: It's no mystery that here on the Squonk and the Hag podcast, uh, we deal with the weird, the unexplainable, and the macabre. Uh, From ghosts and goblins to horrors living next door or buried underneath our feet, we explore them all.
0: And one of them is a co-host.
2: I know, right? It's great.
0: (laughs) And Krakow just mutes his mic leaves the call, walks away, quits the podcast.
1: hmm I, I will say, to, to elaborate a little more on how I lure people in, y- you see, I have to, like, sit very still. That way I can focus. Like, all the blood will go back to my head. You know, like, eat, squatting helps. Because then, you know, if you cut off circulation to your legs, then more brain power and you can focus on luring people closer. You can start to form sentences. I do <sighs> I Huh. And putting words together. And you can you can slowly lure people in because you have a little more brain power to, you know, make it sound like you know what you're talking about. And then when they get close enough, then you're just like, haha, you're my friend now. We're having soft tacos later.
0: You you say this and you're like, make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. And then I listened to those words and squatting does not make you smarter, Kraken. But no.
1: Exactly. I don't have to do that right now because I already trapped no, I already trapped both of you. I don't have to sound like I know what I'm talking about anymore.
0: Okay, fair.
2: So, so that's why in Minecraft you always crouched whenever you were near a new person.
1: Exactly. I was trying to I was trying to work up a sentence. I didn't have enough oxygen in there. There wasn't enough blood in my brain. I had to, I had to I had to crouch to you know cut circulation off on unimportant Parts of my body that I could just, you know, I need I need this for brain power.
0: I just imagined you walking into a room and like walking up to somebody and then like squatting down and then standing up being, hi, I'm Kraken.
1: The joke's on you. I have to squat outside before I get into the room because I can't figure out how to open the door. (laughs) It says push, but I don't know what that means. I don't know how to operate this. I've been pulling on this door for like hours and it won't open. (laughs) I have to squat outside to get someone to let me in first.
0: And then you get arrested because people think you're squatting to poop.
1: It's like, oh, he's just he's just chilling on the corner. Let me go closer and make sure he's all right. And then jokes on you that that's how I got you. <laughs> then I can say, can you hold the door, please? And then I can stand up and walk in. And then phase one is complete.
0: If I if I ever see you like across a room and you're wearing a track suit and squatting, I, I do not know who you are.
1: You know, I entered a competition one time where like I almost like the grand prize was like a custom tracksuit that was like emerald green.
0: What kind of contest was that?
1: I wouldn't worry about it. It's fine. There, There was also a gold chain involved with this suit. Anyway, I'm leaving. That's understandable. You just look outside and then there's just me squatting on the sidewalk outside trying to figure out how to get in. We've been recording
2: for what two, three minutes tops, and she's, and Mo's already gone. Welcome to how we record.
0: Yeah, last week was the record, I think, because it was literally the first sentence out of his mouth, and I was like, "I'm leaving." Yes. <laughs> so he he got He got you know he got one thought in this podcast. Yes. Hey Ranger, welcome it- to the show.
2: I know, right? <laughs> it's 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 surprisingly like. And D&D Night. Oh, no. <laughs>
1: hey, Mo, you wanted to join and you, your first experience in D- D&D Night with us is me as the DM.
0: I know. And I realize that I have this, like, intricate backstory and you know, I've been thinking about all of this stuff and you're like, <laughs> what's a dice? Why was that accurate? It's
2: <laughs> because it is so accurate, you're like, wait, which one's the most? I to die again.
1: Mo's over here with the custom dice tray, the elf ears, the mini fig, the the concept art, the 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 touching backstory, and I'm like, eh, dice go bird.
0: Well, I will say the backstories for the two campaigns. So for anybody who doesn't know. We are I joined the DD group with Cracko, Ranger, and a bunch of other friends. And Cracko and Ranger switch on and off be DMing. And I have like it's the same build. So like it's they're both of them are elven rangers, but their backstory, their physical description, their armor, all that kind of stuff, um, is is gonna be different. And um, for the one for rangers, I cried. And for the one with Krakos, I'm like, I can't use big words.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's one of the reasons why I have not come up with a backstory for my character in that campaign.
0: I I did it mostly just for practice, but I because uh, this is I've played other tabletop RPGs, but I've never played D&D. So I'm like, OK, I want to I want to learn this game. I want to get in here and, you know. Do it right.
1: You see, this is how you educate Krakko. Because now you saying you're not wanting to put big words in it for my sake. I'm just like now. I just want to go buy a Thesaurus and make the most complicated descriptions I can with words no one's probably ever even heard of.
0: Kraken, you know there's a website Thesaurus.com.
2: I said what I said. It's free. You you know that there are actual like generators for describing things out there, right, Krakko? I said what I said i just say it.
1: I didn't know that. I can quickly go to Google.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I will send you a link after we're done recording, okay? I promise.
1: Why didn't I know about this before? Who's keeping these things from me? You never asked.
2: Fair enough.
0: We're just surprised you know how to use a computer at all.
2: I mean, he's probably technically on his like flip phone, like his little Peppa Pig thing.
1: I have modified the Peppa Pig phone.
0: The Peppa Pig yes. PPO 6 now, I just I, I'm pretty sure, like, if he would share a video, the Peppa Pig phone has like all these wires coming out of it and there's like jumper cables clipped on the sides and like smoke coming out of it.
1: You see, you see, I would do that just for the memes, just, you know, glue a bunch of wires to it and everything. But um, if the wrong person sees that, that might look a little suspicious <laughs> and and I don't want to be a part of the, the I don't I don't want to be uh, the recipient of a free watch from the FBI. <laughs> I don't want to get put on the watch list.
0: Krakow try to build Kraco, a bomb with a Peppa Pig you phone. You already
1: are. You're right. So you're yeah. saying I shouldn't glue a bunch of wires to the Peppa Pig phone and go to the local FBI office and say, can I get my free watch now?
2: Uh, probably not. No.
0: Krako is now on yet another FBI list. Um, you know, one of many.
2: I'm going to see how many I can get on. I'm pretty sure you're on all of them, Greg. World record watch list speed run. Let's go. So today we are talking about fairies. Particularly, we're talking about the what I term and I think some other people term the little people phenomena. Um, I know that that might be a little bit insensitive uh, wording. So there's not a whole lot of other adjectives to describe it. Basically, it's a phenomenon that happens all throughout the world um, where there are a bunch of usually supernatural entities that are small in stature. One of those, of course, being fairies over the years. No other phenomenon has actually caught my interest more than this. Usually when people describe fairies, they describe them as um, small, diminutive creatures flitting to and fro among wildflowers, dancing on gossamer wings, singing haunting songs that float on the breeze in the wee hours of the morning as the dew settles and the light begins filtering through the trees.
0: See, you know what I think of when I think of fairies? Well, the ones from the labyrinth, the biter.
2: Yeah, that that's going to be more along the lines of what we're going to be talking about today in some cases. Really? But Mo, are you familiar with
1: uh, the tooth fairies from the Hellboy series?
0: Have you ever seen the labyrinth, Kraken? I feel like we watched that one together, didn't we? Um,
2: moving on, Ranger, Um, what you were saying? Which I'm surprised by he hasn't seen, considering it's a horror movie. It's on my list, my ever-growing list.
0: I thought we did Labyrinth as a a movie night. Or is that one of the ones you bailed on?
1: If we ever get... I'm thinking of a completely different movie. No, we have saw that one. The one
0: with David Bowie.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, we saw that one. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the movie starring David Bowie's crotch.
2: Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. To be fair, when I heard Labyrinth, I thought of Pan, is what I was thinking of.
0: Pan's Labyrinth. I've seen that as well. Labyrinth is one of my favorite movies. Anyways, moving on.
2: Just so you know, there is an RPG about it. Anyway.
0: I know. I was looking at it. For
1: some reason, I was actually thinking of Pan's Labyrinth. I don't know why I added another word to the beginning of
2: Labyrinth. Because you're you. What you were talking about. But anyway. So everyone, or most everyone, has heard of Tinkerbell. And when you ask most people what they think of when they hear the term fairy, that is usually what they say. It's their Tinkerbell. But that's only part of the story. Um, Contrary to popular belief, the fairy we all conjure in our minds is only one kind of these creatures. And boy, do they run the gambit. Uh, from little good-natured tricksters to malevolent entities hell-bent on hurting you and everything in between. Or both at once, depending on their mood. So, what are these fey creatures? What is their history? And why are we so fascinated by
1: them? And why you should never say yes if they ask if, if they can have your
2: attention. Exactly. I can answer some of those questions, but you'll have to form your own opinions. Come along as we dive into this weird world and ask the age-old question, what came first, the fairy or the spoiled milk? What? <laughs> hey, uh, what? I'm sorry, what? In fairy lore, if you don't give them things, they start doing things to your livestock and your crops oh. in some traditions. One of those was either spoiling milk or or making it to where the cows didn't produce milk because the the fairies were taking them.
1: This is why I keep a piece of silver in the shape of a cross in my pocket at all times. I'm not messing with the fairies. It works on vampires, too, because of the cross shape, but, you know.
0: If you anger a fairy in Iceland and then the uh, Yule Boys come around and the one tries to drink the milk straight out of the amino. Does mm-hmm. that mean you're gonna anger the Yule Boys too because they're gonna drink spoiled milk straight from the
2: Potentially. But that's also crossing cultural wires. Okay, but if we if we say that it's not
1: crossing wires, would we eventually just have like a big battle between
2: all mythical creatures? No, because they would all hate you and then be fine after you they got done with you. Fair enough. <laughs> it's it's you versus all of them and you ain't gonna win.
1: But you were about to say something about the silver. Did Uh, I make a mistake?
2: I mean, the cross is probably a good thing.
0: I thought silver was for werewolves.
2: Silver is for werewolves, slightly vampires. From what I understand, iron is the best thing against. I don't know
1: why uh, I was thinking uh, silver. I was just about to say it's iron, isn't it? Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Anyway, I have my protection against vampires and werewolves. I'm I'm all right now just to get a piece of iron and just to carry a cast iron skillet. Just
0: I'm safe from vampires because I really love garlic.
2: I mean, same.
0: It also keeps people away from me, which is nice. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's true. So before we continue our little deep dive here, um, I want to kind of make some terms clear I have my own biases and reasons why I term certain things as falling within the fey realm. This falls into a simple rule, um, kind of summing everything up. If they are humanoid, exhibit magical abilities or properties, they revolve around nature being outside human society, a, uh, i.e. seen in graveyards, uh, and they don't come from here, as in this physical plane, then they are fae. It's kind of a wide net, and it can include a bunch of different things, because a lot of different phenomena can fall into this. I'm human, and I don't claim to know much of it, uh, anything, and so I am liable to make a mistake, take things out of context, and be insensitive towards things in an unwitting manner. Uh, if you have any questions or concerns or comments, please, please, please write into the show or interact with us, so that way we can try and rectify whatever we, or I, mess up on. Now, with that being said and that out of the way, let's get right into it. Just what are the fae? So the term fairy originates within the Middle English word fairy, as in spelled F-A-E-R-I-E, as well as a bunch of other different spellings. Some of them have Y's, some of them have I's instead of A's, which are all borrowed directly from the Old French, which is how we term it today actually as fairy f a e r i e in middle english the word meant either enchantment the land of enchantment or the collective noun for those who dwell within fairyland in modern english the term went from fairy with an i e at the y and fay with an a e turned into fay with an a y
0: is there a a reason why it did that or is it just like the way um, America was like well we don't want to be British so we're going to take letters and change them so like color yeah, you know, C-O-L-O-R or C-O-L-O-U-R
1: I, I think I'm going to be that person and start spelling things in the old English way so town is not going to have, have an E on the end of it yeah. uh, wherever I want to put an E at the end of whatever word I'm, g- I'm going to put an E and crack an E It's crockin' to you, and those are limited edition. (laughs)
0: Crockity! Crockity!
2: So, I would say that, yeah, it's probably a bit of that. If you actually, like, I've actually read some old post-revolutionary, but before the Civil War, um, namely Lewis and Clark's journals. It's hard to read, and that's because they spelled it however they felt like it should be spelled. So like random words would have an extra I or it would be just slightly different. And I think a lot of this actually came about with the standardization of the English language. So when you're teaching English, you have to do it a certain way all across school. So that way everyone knows what you're spelling. There is also another um, form of this word that actually originates in the Persian language. Um, it's called, a, I believe it's pronounced Paris. Um, it's P-E-R-I-S. Um, now, it's either Paris or Paris. Um, uh, yes, Paris. Wonderful city. Anyway, I, I I knew you were going to do that. Anyway, ratatouille. Ratatouille. Uh, So, now, these beings were depicted as angelic. Uh, they were mentioned in antiquity in pre-Islamic Persia. As early as the Achaemenid Achaemenid Empire. The Arachnid
1: Um, Empire, yes. Back when things were terrible and there were spiders everywhere, yes. Did the
0: Arachnid Arachnid Empire have um, abacus chairs?
1: Probably. How did you know? Had great leg support. Eh. I'm
2: not going to go down. The Abacus Empire, yes, in Paris. The Paris were later described in various Persian... um, Works in great detail, such as the Shandameh uh, by Ferdowsi. Uh, A peri, uh, which is the singular term, uh, was illustrated to be fair, beautiful, and extravagant nature spirits that were supported by wings. This imagery may have in- influenced migratory Germanic and Eurasian settlers from or going into Europe. Or it could have been transmitted during the early exchanges. The similarities could also be attributed to a shared Proto Indo European mythology, uh, which, when you do a deep dive into ancient languages, there is a whole family tree of languages called the Indo European languages. English and other Romance languages are also part of this family. Older branches of this language family include Celtic, which would be Gaelic, Balto Slavic, uh, italic and Germanic, as well as Indo-Iranian.
1: Guys, I can speak italic. I'm, I'm speaking italic right now. You can't see it because I don't have my camera on. But like, I'm 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 saying this while I'm leaning sideways.
0: Is there a way? I think in Discord, if I just right-click on Kraken's picture, I can mute just him, right?
2: It- yeah, yeah. This leads scholars to suggest that if this language tree exists. Then there must have been a pre- or a proto-Indo-European language as well, which lends credence to the the mythological origins of beings like fairies. Now, this is all well and good, but I still haven't gone over what exactly is a fairy in the literal sense. Simply put, a fairy is a denizen of the land of the Fae or Otherworld. What we see when we picture a fairy is actually more like a pixie at least in my opinion pixies are very small with dark hair and skin tone and they have butterfly wings they are very small maybe two or three inches tall a lot of people will argue that fairies have wings usually dragonfly or moth wings and are about six or so inches tall um so there's some slight differences there um they are still small humanoids however Um, usually I don't think of that that. whenever I think of fairy I just think of Tinkerbell correct which is the fairy that I was just describing Krakow which is six or so inches tall with dragonfly wings and you know
0: welcome to the podcast where Kraken always pays attention you just said
2: dark hair Tinkerbell is blonde pixies have dark hair and skin tone and they have butterfly wings I was about to get to the I was testing collect- you. It's fine. I knew this. Uh huh. Um, <clears throat> fairies are more... They have usually light hair and light skin. Um, usually. Now, I don't personally think that there are a lot of major differences between the two entities, and I see them as almost the same. Their demeanor is almost identical by all accounts. They can be evil when provoked and nice when treated with respect. If anything, they're just closely related cousins than two separate entities. At this point, you might think that we might be just wrapping up, you know, because I told you what a fairy is, you know, yada, yada.
0: Shortest episode ever. Thank but, you all for
2: watching. That is the end. <laughs> <laughs> but we've barely scratched the surface here. You said but and scratch in the same sentence. Can we meet? There it is. Yeah. Can we can we just hit that mute button and then just it be you and me for the rest of the rest of the stream
0: <sighs> unfortunately then we would miss him trying to pronounce words and that's pretty that's funny
1: true. oh is there going to be a part where you're going to have me try to pronounce something oh no I wasn't prepared <laughs> I didn't do my homework
0: no yeah you um you're probably just gonna you know try to try to count to count to five
1: that is way too high
0: you want to impress people. You want you want people to know. <laughs> and Krakow is now mad at me.
2: <laughs> if you guess that there's more beings running around than just fairies and pixies, well, you were right. <laughs> the little people phenomena, as I stated earlier, stretches across the globe. As we continue in the episode, I will be going into detail about just some of the creatures that are associated with this phenomena. So the first one, because it is... Where I cut my teeth on the paranormal would be the good neighbors or the good folk.
0: Is it State Farm?
2: No.
1: They know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two.
0: That's farmers. State Farm is like a good neighbor. State Farm is there.
1: It's all some kind of farm. It's fine. It's fine.
0: We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum.
1: Don't say that too loud or else they'll, they'll show up in your house with a hot tub or something. like just.
0: Wait, someone's going to show up in my house with a hot tub? does bean know that this service is available
2: fair enough i, I need to inform bean so the irish call uh, these fellows the good neighbors or the good folk so as not to displease them the irish tell time and time again about how the good people are folks that not unlike you and i they are the size of a human have the same hair as a human eyes ears mouth all the same as us You could be talking to one of the good people and never know it and that is until your cow star stops producing milk or you suffer terrible misfortune this is also where the changeling folklore comes from at least as far as i can tell these good people steal children for what purpose it is never said and replace them with one of their own now this has been attributed to in recent times how people have viewed birth defects and mental illnesses within children It has also affected grown adults, too. People who changed from a happy, driven individual to someone who wasn't and never seemed to get better was treated as an adult changeling or that they had been led by the fairies. These days, we know that what these people were suffering from was a mental illness, possibly depression. Now, I won't go into the more horrible stories of how you're supposed to tell if someone is a changeling or not. I'll save that for another episode.
0: Does this mean you're going to do you're going to you're going to do you're going to research changelings because they're scary. Your brain
1: went to that. Meanwhile, I'm over here fearing for my life because Ranger just called me an experiment and is now saying he'll he'll save how to identify a changeling in another episode. Next thing you know, he's going to show up to my house and be like, we're doing that episode now. Come here. (laughs) Look,
2: I got to get notes somehow.
0: I, I I'll I'll let you two have have fun with that and um yeah Cracko, I think you and Ranger can do that episode. Just just you two. Just
1: Wait, you no, two. please help.
0: No, no, just you two. You guys got this. It's fine.
2: <laughs> Wait, no. So the Irish and honestly all of the Celtic areas are fraught with creatures that hail from the other world. The Nuklevi from uh, Scotland is a horrible beast said to be the amalgamation of a man and a horse with no skin. The Selkie and the Kelpie also come to mind. The first mermaid of sorts, but instead of being half fish, she can shapeshift from a seal to a human and you can trap her on land if you find and keep her seal skin also come to mind. The Kelpie is a horse that comes up from a body of water and if you get on its back, it rushes back into the water, drowns you, and then eats you. And these are just some of the many entities that call the British Isles home.
1: So I have a question. Why are you just on the beach and you just see a horse just casually walk out of the depths of the ocean and you think, haha,
2: you know, it would be great if I tried to ride that thing. Um, usually there's some sort of like enchantment with it that it compels you to get on the horse. At
1: least, honestly, that's me with every animal. It just something compels me to go pet it. I would probably go close to the horse if I saw one coming out of the water. I'd be like, "Is the horse okay? We good?"
0: You you know for a fact I would just run out with my arms outstretched, going, "Baby!"
2: And yes. that's how we ne- we never heard from Mo again.
0: I mean, if I'm gonna go petting an animal I shouldn't have, is probably gonna be the way.
1: I mean, I quite literally almost followed a raccoon into the forest late at night because I thought it was a chonky cat. And then when I realized it was and i started following it and doing the whole thing. So,
2: yeah, yeah, it sounds about right. It wouldn't be hard to for a fairy to kidnap me. No, that's assuming that they would keep you in the first place, though.
1: They would realize their mistake as soon as they got me back home. If that
0: Honestly, I'm surprised that you haven't kidnapped yourself somehow.
1: Give it time. Give it time.
0: Accidentally. Bobo comes home and you're like in the corner tied up and you're like, I don't know what happened. They kidnapped me and it was just you.
1: I don't know what happened. I was going to have craft day and then suddenly there's glue everywhere and I spilled the glitter. I know you said no (laughs) glitter. And next thing I know, I'm tied up in the corner and I don't know what to do. I love glitter.
2: Absolutely abhor glitter.
0: Mm, glitter.
2: Worst, worst crafting invention ever. I'll mail you a glitter bomb then. Got it. Don't you dare.
0: He's so sparkly. I'm mailing, so mailing
2: everyone a glitter bomb. Everyone's getting a glitter bomb.
0: Free glitter! Yay!
2: You say that until Wedge or Bubba gets their little paws on it and suddenly you have to clean up. Glittery uh vomit.
0: Okay, the vomit is one thing, but like my house is pretty it's much like covered in rainbow. glitter at all times because like I use it and then like days later Chris will be like, Why is there glitter on your face? And it's like Glitter?
2: Yeah. Because no. glitter. No.
0: Because glitter.
2: I'm staying in Europe for a moment. There is a creature residing in the harsh environments of Iceland and the Faroe Islands. These denizens are called Huldafolk, or the Hidden Folk. They are elves, and like the ones in Ireland, they are human in proportion, sometimes, with muscular builds and black hair. They are said to reside in rocks scattered throughout the landscape. And when I say rocks, I mean boulders the size of humans. They are considered benign from all accounts... Though they do not like it when you mess with their things. Legend has it that a road construction was halted from going over Elfholskiviger or Elf Hill Road. I'm pro- I probably butchered that in that pronunciation. When the construction team melt met with resistance in the form of equipment malfunction, namely, the big machines used to build the road uh, would break down the next day after they had first gotten to the site, and would start up right after leaving the site for repairs. This is a story, though, and is thought to be an urban legend of sorts. However, that didn't stop people from believing in it. In 2015, an elf activist by the name of Daughter joined in protesting along with environmental groups about a road going through an old lava bed. It is believed that the elves like volcanic rocks, and it is a more stable pathway between worlds, according to Jonsdottir.
0: Um, not to to interrupt, did you say an elf activist? Is that an actual thing?
2: Yes, it is an actual thing.
1: I'm not surprised, that's why I didn't question it.
0: Is that like a pancake?
2: I don't think so. It's it's basically at least from what I researched or what I remember researching is that it's it's like um, environmental activist group that also does things in the four elves as well, because they're kind of one in the same.
1: That's that just sounds like elves and fairies disguising themselves as humans and becoming, quote, elf activists.
0: So I thought you just said Elvis.
2: (laughs) Maybe I did. You know, interesting thing. I've actually been to Tupelo, Mississippi, which is where Elvis is from.
0: I, uh, my parents went to Graceland and I think my mom died and went to heaven when she walked around there. She, like, she, so my, they came and after they got back, I had to sit and look through all the pictures with them as they told me about all the pictures because that's what parents do. And I think my mom took thousands of photos of Graceland.
2: You know that it, uh, it's supposed to be haunted, right?
0: I have heard that. I don't know the details of the story, but I have heard that it's supposed to be haunted.
2: I think it's the Jungle Room. I think it's what it's called. I think that they, people have seen the apparition of Elvis there at least once.
1: Isn't that old Wizard of Oz theme park supposed to be haunted too, or? You mean the one you went to? Yes. No. Okay it's, it's just creepy. an old
2: it's just a creepy abandoned park. Okay, I would. From, there, I know there's a difference, but from from what I was reading when like when you went, I went and researched it a little bit. It doesn't seem like there's anything weird about it. It just was abandoned for such a long time, and no one went Fair up enough. there other than feral uh, seekers. Because it was I creepy, I remember.
0: Yeah. And like, anytime something's abandoned for a long period of time, it gets creepy.
2: Eventually, the road was actually moved, uh, but officials said that it wasn't the elves or anything of the sort that made them change the direction of the road. But the actual rock in question, a huge basalt boulder, was unique in a cultural light, and so they moved the road. Because they would put offerings in front of the huge uh, basalt boulder because that's where the elves or the holda folk lived. So um, it's kind of a catch 22 there. Um, they, they, they literally made
1: a movie ab- about this pretty much, and though it wasn't elves, it was trolls. But uh,
2: basically. They're coming out with another one. There's going to be another one? I think so.
1: Fair enough. Pretty or much going. Don't dig tunnels in in troll
2: territory because you'll wake one up. So in recent years, there have been surveys, though there are naysayers uh, to this actual survey, uh, that have stated that 46% of the people in Iceland believe in elves in some shape or form. The naysayers uh, hold to the belief that because of the wording chosen for the surveys are asking leading questions or are not worded the best, it should be thrown out. Moving away from Europe and into North America, the North American continent is riddled with lore surrounding these entities. I will continue using the term fey as an umbrella term, and it is by no means a way to diminish or belittle anyone's beliefs, or to Eurocentrize or whitewash these stories and histories that are not my own. In Cherokee stories, there are a race of beings called the Little People, or the Yunwe Junsti, I'm hoping that I got the right pronunciation for that. There's a lot to unpack with the little people of the, uh, the Cherokee. In appearance, they are small, about knee high. Uh, They're always said to be very handsome or beautiful. And they have long black hair that almost touches the ground. Now, depending on who you talk to, and I don't know the veracity of this, but there are supposedly three different kinds of little people. The Rock people, who are mean and take children, but only when they are threatened. The Laurel people, who are mischievous tricksters, but will do more good than harm. And the Dogwood people, who are the ones who do good and heal people. Each one has a different lesson to teach. The Rock people teach that meanness is not good and it will come back to you. The Laurel people teach us to not take life seriously and to enjoy the time we have and the Dogwood people teach us to be kind out of the goodness of our hearts and to not do good for personal gain or obligation. I have seen this division before in some places, but as far as I'm aware, it is not within the general belief of these beings that they are divided in such a way. More than likely, the Yunwei Junsti have the ability to do all of this and these categories or labels that have been put on them are a modern addition to the history of these creatures.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. My brain's a little stuck because when you said how they had hair all the way down to the the ground, all I could imagine are like little cousin-its. Yeah,
2: totally not me picturing the same thing.
0: <laughs> Just put some sunglasses on them. <laughs>
2: So the Pukwudgies are a magical humanoid race of people that feature prominently in Algonquin folk. To different tribes, the Pukwudgie acts and looks differently. For example, in the Ojibwe tribes, they are described as a mischievous but mostly good-natured being that may trick people but rarely has malicious intent. The Wampanoag and many other tribes of New England know the Pukwudgie to be both a trickster and dangerous.
1: So... I was just reading that first little bit there, and why was I just like, why does this sound like a nickname that Mo would give me?
0: <laughs> my little Pukwudgie. And,
1: and why does the description kind of sound accurate for me? Because I skipped the part, my brain just skimmed over the part where it says to different tribes and it was just like the Pukwudgie accent looks differently.
0: Is the Pukwudgie built differently?
2: Um, i we discovering that I'm actually not a squonk, but I'm a puck Pukwudgie. <laughs> So, they are known to play tricks, but in some cases, they will help out a human who has encountered them. If you wrong them or somehow offend them, they are known to steal children, commit acts of terror, and can even be deadly. They are short, about knee-high, and have large hands, stooping postures, and sagging shoulders. Some people say that they have shaggy, unkempt hair that reaches below their waist. First of all, (laughs) commit acts of terror? (laughs) Excuse me... Did you just describe a, a small terrorist? No, I think that what uh, I meant by that was that they do they do things to scare people. That is, they like, terrorize people. It's, yes,
1: but that's not where my brain went when I heard they commit acts of terror.
0: My vote still goes that Krakos a puck wedgie.
1: So are we are we no longer the squonk and the hag? Are we the puck wedgie and the hag? You can be both.
0: Yeah, you can be you Fair can enough. be both. Um, you're a puck wedgie who buzzed his hair.
2: Yes, I don't know. I, I still think that the squonk is probably a better fit. Wow, Ranger just just said
1: I'm ugly and I cry all the time because of it. The most miserable creature in the world.
0: Yeah, is he really wrong? Like I mean if we look at this objectively and we we remove emotion and feelings um I mean, <laughs> bruh.
2: I see how it is. We love you, Kraka. I'm gonna spoil all your milk. You can try. The Wampanoag story of the Puck Wedgies is is my favorite. In this tale, the Puck want to be as dear to the culture hero Masop, uh, and so tried to help the Wampanoag people to try to endear themselves to Masop. This backfired, whether due to their mischievous nature or other misfortune, and the Wampanoag people entreated Masop by way of his wife, Granny Squanet, to get rid of them. He did this by gathering up as many as he could in his hands and throwing them all over New England, some say even as far south as Delaware. The Pukwudgies came back with a vengeance, however, and began burning villages, stealing children, and leading people astray in the woods in record numbers. Mossop sent his five sons to take care of the situation, but they were no match for the Pukwudgies and their magic and were ensnared and killed. Enraged, Mosshop and Granny Squannet went on a rampage against the Pukwudgies and slew as many as they could find. Some Pukwudgies survived, and these remnants are what are seen today all throughout New England. One of these days we'll get, get around to, I believe it's the Bridgewater Tri- Triangle, which is like a hot spot for these things. I'm looking forward to doing that one. Are you telling me someone just picked them up and was just like, yeet?
1: Basically, yeah.
0: Can we do that to crackle?
1: Boy, if I could count how many times that's been done to me, but I can only count to four.
0: So it's been at least four times
1: at least four.
2: Yeah. So next up, we have the Duende or El Duende. It's an interesting creature. The stories of this entity can actually be traced from back to Spain and Portugal. The El Duende or the Goblin If my sources are correct, anyway.
1: Is that what everyone's been calling me whenever I thought that that was just my street
2: name, El Duende? (laughs) The El Duende, or the goblin, ranges from an elf-like creature to a spirit that dwells in your house to a forest spirit with a big hat uh, that whistles a mystical tune that leads children astray. In Latin America, there are a few different views on the Duende. In Belize they are said to be helpful and guide children out of the forest and in some cases has been described as carrying or wearing dried palm leaves as some sort of hat. Sound familiar? In, sou- in southern Mexico uh, they are seen as forest spirits. In the northern parts of Mexico and also the southwest of America they are seen as spirits who dwell in your house namely the walls of your house and they have an affinity to walls of children's rooms. It is said that they also come out of the walls and clip the toenails of misbehaving kids, and sometimes they miss and take a toe with them instead of just the toenail. In the Philippines, they are spirits that are differentiated into two groups, the white duende, which are good, and the black duende, who are mean and evil. They live in forests, caves, homes, anthills, and termite mounds. It is said to step on and crush an anthill or termite mound places a curse on you from the duende who live within They are also known to play with children and seem to be only visible to them. So if you destroy an anthill,
1: then you could anger the spirit inside it? Potentially. I have angered so many Duende then it is unreal. Basically, they are at war with me at this point then.
0: I want to circle back to the small person who lives inside the walls and chops off toes in the night.
2: Specifically, children's toes. It's it's all fun
1: and games until you're a misbehaving child laying in their bed at night, and you hear something in the walls, followed by
2: "Let me get them toes."
0: Yeah, the, the, we've gone from mythical creatures to serial killers.
2: All right, it's just a tow.
1: Mo, why are you worried? Have, you're not a child, nor have you been misbehaving. And unless both of those
2: things are false, then you should be worried.
0: Because I got enough true crime to follow. I don't need more added into the mix.
2: OK, so the next one on our list is called the Minahune. Uh, the Minahune are small humanoids with appearances not unlike the Hawaiian people and were said to be marvelous workers. Doing most of their building under the cover of night, these little people built homes, temples, fish ponds, roads. The most famous of these is the Alikoko Fish Pond on Kauai, one of the islands that makes up Hawaii. Archaeologists estimate this structure to be around 1,000 years old. Above the pond sits two stone pillars. These pillars of stone are said to be a king and his sister, changed into these pillars by the Menahune, who saw them spying on them as they built the fish pond. They also never finished the pond because they were spied upon. Legends say that the Menahune were first brought to the island at the behest of the first king who settled the island. The king sent for the Menahune and brought them in. They came with their chief, their high priest, and eventually they ended up with ten divisions of men and seven women, each with their own particular skill. People say that they were real people, not mythological, and that they had engineering skills the likes of which have not been replicated to this day. Some people on Hawaii actually claim that they are descendants of the Menahune.
1: This just sounds I like me. They, they like to build stuff out of clay and dirt, and they don't want human interaction. And they, so they do it at night when the humans are asleep.
0: Yeah, except for the fact that they have engineering skills, the likes of which haven't been replicated to this day.
1: Listen, if you give me a two by four, a hammer and some nails, I will give you engineering skills that still haven't been seen to this day. I can't, I, I'm not going to say it's structurally sound or OSHA approved, but it's going to be engineering skills never before seen.
0: You're not wrong. And it behooves me to say this.
2: One of the cool things about these stories is that it also states that they did it extremely fast. Some of these things were built within a night. So the next one we have on our list is called the Peera Ahi and the Mero. The Patapari are supernatural beings in Maori mythology that are described as pale to fair-skinned, with blonde or red hair, usually having the same stature as ordinary people and never tattooed. They can draw mist to themselves, but tend to be nocturnal or active on misty or foggy days, as direct sunlight can be fatal to them. They prefer raw food and have an aversion to steam and fire.
1: Don't don't most people have an aversion to steam and fire. I'm sorry, but
2: as in like fire, scare fire and steam scare them. I mean, same. So the that can be hostile to humans, especially those who intrude on their lands. They are believed to live in forests in hilly or mountainous regions in large guarded communities, though their buildings and structures are invisible to human eyes. The music of their Kalahu and putorino, which are bugle f- flutes, along with their singing laeta, uh, occasionally reveals their presence on foggy days. The music of these people is described as sweeter than any music the Maori could ever play. According to most traditions, the Maori are able to converse with them. These beings are found mostly on the North Island. The South Island has a different kind of spirit as known as the Mairo. In Maori tradition, the Mairo or Mohao are supernatural people from New Zealand. They are sometimes described as giants or wild men of the woods and inhabit mountains and forests, particularly in the south island of Mairo are characterized as wild, malevolent, and often violent, carrying stone clubs as weapons. They are covered in dark body hair and have long, bony fingers with sharp fingernails. They kill and eat humans and other animals. The Mero are said to harbor anger against the Maori, who arrived from Hawaii and are thought to have displaced them and ruined the sacredness of their homes, forcing them to dwell in inhospitable Alpine regions.
1: So these stories more and more is just, it makes me just want to like, let's just go start a tribe in the middle of a forest somewhere and we'll just carry around clubs to bonk people with. Sounds
2: like fun. That sounds like the start of the forest. Yes. So the next one on our list uh, hails from Japan. The Kijimuna are small wood spirits, according to Okinawan mythology. The Kijimuna are said to live in trees, but the most common one is the gajumaru, or the banyan tree. They are often described as being child-sized with red hair covering their bodies and large heads. They are also known to be excellent fishermen, able to catch many fish, but then only eating one of the eyes of the fish before leaving the rest of it. The Kijimuna festival in Okinawa is named after them. Another name for the Kijimuna is Bungaya, which means roughly large-headed. So the Kijimuna are known to be very mischievous, playing pranks and tricking humans. One of their best-known tricks is to lie on a person's chest, making them unable to move or breathe. This is known as kanashibari. Even though the Kijimuna are tricksters, they, are, they have been known to make friends with humans. However, these relationships often go sour. A Kijimuna may offer to carry a human on its back as it leaps through the mountains and over the seas. The Kijimuna, however, dislike people passing gas on their backs and will immediately throw the human off no matter where they were at the moment. The Kijimuna also apparently hate octopi. So I had another thought and I have a so
1: that means I have a question for the both of you. Oh. When are we gonna do a, a segment that's like crocodile hunter but it's skeeter goes cryptid hunting and it's just me in the woods wandering around with a camera and I'm just like, I know that Bigfoot feller's out here somewhere, I'm gonna find him and I'm gonna You I'm- can
0: start this anytime, Cracko. Just grab a camera, head out to the woods. Don't call me if you get lost, don't call me if you need bail money. Have fun. Give me the footage and I'll throw it online. For I
1: know you. that Bigfoot fellers out here somewhere. I'm gonna collect a sample. I got my straight razor in the holster right here. And I got my my Sasquatch bait on the other side here in a holster and a little, little plastic baggy. Feller sold it to me down the street. I don't know exactly what it is, but it smells awful.
0: I think you just bought a bag of poop, Cracko.
1: I forget the name of the show, but the funny thing is now that I say that there's actually a show that's basically what I'm describing it's people yeah. with accents like that that are hunting cryptids yeah it's called mountain monsters <laughs> there it is that's what it is i could remember
2: the name
0: oh i was gonna say duck dynasty you're 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 not 100 percent wrong
2: <laughs> okay so the next one we have is called the koropokor they are a race of small people in folklore of the ainu people of the northern japanese islands the name is traditionally analyzed as a tripartite compound of kor, which is butterbur plant, hawk, which is under or below, and ker, which is person. And interpreted to mean people below the leaves of the fuki or the butterbur plant. So the Ainu believe that the Korpokor uh, were the people who lived in the Ainu's land before the Ainu themselves lived there. They were short of stature, agile, and skilled at fishing. They lived in pits with roofs made from butterbur leaves. Long ago, the Korpukur were on good terms with the Ainu and would send them deer, fish, and other game and and exchange goods with them. The little people hated to be seen, however, so they would stealthily make their deliveries under the cover of night. One day, a young Ainu man decided he was going to, to see a Korpukur for himself, so he waited in ambush by the window where the gifts were usually left. When a korporkor came to the place or uh, came to place something there the young man grabbed it by the hand and dragged it inside. It turned out to be a beautiful korporkor w- woman who was so enraged at the young man's rudeness that her people have not been seen since. Their pits, pottery and stone implements the Ainu believe still remain scattered around the landscape. The next and actually last one on our list are called yumbos. The Yumbos are the spirits of the dead that are completely of a pearly white color. They are supposedly from the Wolof people in Senegal, Africa. They are sometimes said to have silver hair. They stand about two feet tall and the Yumbos live beneath the Paps Hills and come out to dance in the moonlight. They feast on large tables waited on by servants who are invisible except for their hands and feet. Yumbos eat corn, which they steal from the humans, and fish, which they catch on their own. They invite both natives and foreigners to their feasts. They're also called Bakna Rakna, or the good people. Now, there's some debate on these spirits, as the main person to write about these spirits was a white guy by the name of Thomas Keitley. But looking at other sources that I could find, there are lots of parallels between these Yumbos and other supernatural beings on the African continent. For all intents and purposes, from what I could find, these spirits are the spirits of dead relatives who dwell underground. As for the word yumbo, it isn't an actual word, and it should be stated that the word passed through multiple white languages before being told to Kaitly. I mean, many of the words I say are also not words, but... I mean, true. That just about scratches the surface of the belief in these beings. And there are many, many more that I either don't know about or did not have time to research. And I'm honestly glad about that. If anything, this opens up many doors to questions about humans as a whole. Why do we continue to believe in these other peoples? What makes them so ubiquitous? Almost every culture in the world has some form of little people. So what are they? Uh, I can't really say. And that's the magic about it. We can sit and talk until we are old and gray and we still won't have the answer.
0: So I think that's going to wrap us up for the night, wrap us up for the story. But one more time, thank you, Ranger. You know, we love you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for taking over and reading the
2: words that I don't know how to pronounce. I know. I know it's a it's a rare privilege that I have to try and pronounce things that I'm not usually (laughs) used to pronouncing. Usually I have Krakow suffer through that for me.
0: And we love that you make him suffer. I mean, what? As always, make sure to check out our website for all of the show notes, sources, and more information at thesquonkandthehag.com.
1: And we would also love and appreciate your support by either leaving a review on iTunes or through small monthly donations using the viewer support link in the description. And if you don't subscribe, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast network to get notified of new episodes every Thursday.
0: All right, Cracko, you ready?
1: Bye